electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. From the canyons of Wall Street to the heights of Broad Street, from the opening bell to the Liberty Bell, when the road is long, you roll up your sleeves, you get to work, and you run with the bulls. But in the city of brotherly love, you fly with the birds. It's the countdown to kickoff, and Kramer is coming home from the heart of Philadelphia. Mad Money starts right now. the Super Bowl champs, the hometown of the Philadelphia Eagles. Other people want to make friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach you and to go right after this game to the link to watch the Eagles. Yes, the team to beat, which you can catch on NBC. All right, we're in the city of Philadelphia tonight for the opening of the NFL season. But all I could think today was, man, oh, man, Tech's getting slaughtered. Fang's got no defense. That's right, Fang has just been defanged. The whole Nasdaq's getting toasted by the old guard. So after a session where the Dow advanced 21 points, while the S&P declined 0.37%, and the Nasdaq nosedive 0.91%, holy cow! The house of pain. Let me try to put this whole thing, this move in context. What's the real reason a football team has no defense? It's typically because they can't cover the wideouts and they can't get to the quarterback. Today, every tech company was covered, and the quarterback, Facebook, keeps getting sacked. 
and it didn't help one bit that Micron, the big semiconductor company, got caught four yards behind the line of scrimmage, plunging nearly five bucks. And there are shutdown corners everywhere we look. All right, to belabor the analogy, and let's do that, right? Come on, we're in Philly. Since we're at the Comcast Center, where we'll be talking to an Eagles alumnus as well as Brian Roberts, head honcho of Comcast itself, today is the third trap game in a row. And tech needs both a buy and some buys. I don't expect them all to rally yet. Maybe another day or two of some declines for some, although it looks like the cloud stocks are starting to bottom, led by, of course, stalwart Adobe. Look, whenever we get one of these tech breakdowns, there's always a tendency to play pin the tail on the sell-off. Is it a slowdown in demand for digitization? Is it regulation cutting into growth? Is it a change in consumer behavior? It would be so darn easy just to say, aha, this is the big reason. There's a sea change, and it explains everything. The problem is, while this kind of thing sounds rigorous, helps you make decisions, it's not actually rigorous at all. And your decisions may turn out to be very bad. That's because there's no sea change in this technology business, not at all. This sell-off is all about the mechanics of the money management business, not about tech. As I told you on Tuesday's show, high-flying tech stocks tend to get hit in September as people try to take profits before someone else takes them for you. Let me put my old hedge fund. <laughs> Let me put, you know the old days, I remember when I ran my hedge fund from here. Let me put my old hedge fund hat on so I can explain it to you. At any given time, your typical stock will have three kinds of shareholders. There's the index fund buyers, and these days they own a plurality of stocks. You ever see them? They own 25, 30% of every stock. They don't really count for the sell-off soliloquy uh, because that money just sits there. Then there's the mutual funds that are overweighted in tech, meaning they have more tech than is represented in their benchmark, the S&P 500. Finally, there are the hedge funds, many of which take their cues from algorithms and ETFs. Right now, the hedge fund and mutual fund cohorts, they are in play, and they're they, not the companies themselves, not the stars, if you want to get all Shakespearean about it, they are at fault for this sell-off. And you really start thinking, well, wait a second, there's got to be something wrong. There's got to be this. Oh, stop it. Think of it like this. If you're a mutual fund that's overweighted in tech and the Nasdaq's up 15% for the year, you'd have to be crazy to just give those, let those gains ride. When I was at my old hedge fund, you know what I'd do? I'd sell everything, spend the rest of the year going to the movies. You know what? We used to watch the movie The Fugitive endlessly. Can't get in trouble for watching The Fugitive. I didn't kill my wife. The sellers don't care. So these money managers are predisposed to take profits. They aren't even, they aren't even that interested in what they sell. They sell your stocks. They don't care. Hey, listen, if they're up more than 35% a stock, well, let me just tell you something. You'd be reckless not to sell some. You can't defend against that. Bulls make money, bears make money, hogs get slaughtered. Then there's this third cohort, the hedge fund managers that take their cue from algorithms and ETFs. So you know what we got to do? Let's think about FANG for a second. There are 10 ETFs, 10, that own a whole lot of FANG. Suppose any of these companies gets called down to the capital for a first-class pantsing, uh, uh, is that a term too, uh, too uh, fancy for Philly? You know what happens? You got a three musketeers thing going. All for one and one for all. If Facebook goes down because the companies become persona non grata, these ETFs take down all of FANG. In the meantime, 
You're also getting some fellow travelers who smell blood in the water. This is the USS Indianapolis of sell-off, please. And you need Quint to understand the consequences. Although, of course, you'd rather be Richard Dreyfuss or Roy Scheider uh, when the movie's over because you don't want Jaws to eat you alive. Which brings me full circle to these index funds. The buyers of index funds are almost by rote. They come in on down days. They come in on up days. They're mindless buying, along with some huge corporate buybacks, can stabilize a lot of stocks. They're already stabilizing the packaged good stocks. Think something like Clorox. And some of the industrials think of Boeing, which don't have big gains. That They, they don't need to be protected because uh, they're not falling victim to profit taking because uh, they're not a lot of profits. That's why those stocks are doing better, even as they aren't really giving many money managers what they want. But big cap tech is not known for having good defenses. Their buybacks are spartan at best, and they rarely pay dividends, which means it's easy to crush them when things start to go south. How does this matter say? I've said over and over and over again that it takes time and price, time for the weaker shareholders to finish their panic selling, the official end of the trap games, and lower prices where new buyers step in because the stocks get attractive when they go down. It can happen. Just look at Workday, W-D-A-Y, which you know I like. It started the whole darn breakdown. Two nights ago, Workday, a fantastic cloud-based purveyor of human resources and financial management software, cloud-based, reported a ridiculously good quarter. I mean, one that pretty much any company would be incredibly proud of with stratospheric growth. But it wasn't enough. The stock got pulverized. In football terms, it gave up a big lead. Today, though, it managed to stabilize and rebound a couple of bucks. The aforementioned Adobe, another Cloud King, also getting slammed. Today, it rallied almost four bucks. These Cloud King bottoms are good templates for how it's going to work. Now, what bounces first? What else is like Workday and Adobe? It's going to be those lower valuation techs. Think about Microsoft looking good, Cisco looking great, Ladder with a good buyback, big dividend. Next will be the other Cloud Kings like Salesforce. And I suspect, believe it or not, Alphabet. If it can keep its head down, it will find a bottom. Amazon's the one that's most likely to bounce hardest. I've sent a tweet blasting it from the president. But I want to buy that one tomorrow. Netflix, it feels like it hit bottom already. Set to mount a multi-day rally. Facebook, Twitter, Micron. Oh, they'll be busy plumbing the depths of a bottom the whole time. Because unlike all the other companies I just mentioned, their actual earnings estimates may be too high. I mean, think about it. Micron sells at four times next year's earnings. You know, that's the cheapest of this, or at least so-called cheapest of all stocks, the S&P 500. What does that tell you? It says there's no way this company can make the numbers. Of course, if you want to be a spectator and not a gladiator, I see rallies in healthcare that seem sustainable. Retail remains a good place to be. Starbucks, with the opening of its Milan Roastery just now, seems to have bottomed. I suspect the financial tech stocks are going to continue to work, judging by the strength in that other Jack Dorsey vehicle, Square. But the bottom line is, text defenseless. It's getting toasted. It's basically the wrong bird tonight. It's a falcon, not America's bird. The eagle! Let's take questions. Number 92, you're up. How you doing, Jim? My name is Dean. I'm a proud Philadelphian and Drexel University student. Drexel! <laughs> uh, Cybersecurity is on everyone's mind, Jim. Uh, you have uh, Sheryl Sandberg, Jack Dorsey, and Mark Zuckerberg testifying to Congress. Uh, I'm looking at a stock called Fortinet, FTNT. Uh, they have been beating expected revenue uh, for the previous pe uh, two years. I wanted to know if you think that they'll continue, or if they're in a unique position to continue to be 
revenues going forward. Okay, which stock? I'm sorry, because it's hard here for the Fortinet. Fortinet. Oh my Fortinet? Fortinet. Oh my well, look, I gotta look at Palo Alto Networks, PNW, because they're reporting it's great to, it's an absolutely great, great cybersecurity, but Fortinet is better. The only one that I like more in that space would be Proofpoint Fortinet number two. Let's make it Palo Alto number three, then look at uh, nice, and then after that we're gonna go with CyberArk. Thank you. Great call. Thank Love you. Drexel. All right, who's next? Right hey, here. Jim, hey, Jim, Luke from Temple University. Yes. Pop and mom Good went words. to Temple. Pop uh, and mom were out. Got, got a question on Marathon Petroleum. Uh, question is, do you think that uh, U.S. refineries can continue to benefit from the bottlenecking in, per, in the Permian Basin? And then how is this Endeavor acquisition going to shake up the market? Who keep up with all these smart people? And where, where are these people on the phone when I, when I take all the questions? All right, the answer is you're absolutely right. The Permian differential may even go as high as 30 bucks. You are absolutely right to continue to own Marathon. That's the one to go with. We've had the management on a bunch of times. They are so smart. Zach Ertz rocks. Good call. Thank you. Oh, no, we're done? Man, I'm just getting started in the city of brotherly love. All right, tech was the wrong bird tonight. It was defenseless. It was a falcon. Hey, it happens. We can't all be eagles. Tonight, very special man buddy live from the city of brotherly love. It's that time of year again. Just a few hours away on NBC, I'm revealing my dream stock draft for you and for your portfolio. Plus, Fly Eagles Fly. Then I'm sitting down with Phil Lucas own Brent Selleck to catch a glimpse of the entrepreneurial side. to visit my parent company, that is. Don't miss my exclusive with Comcast CEO, Brian Roberts, and stick with Kramer! Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. 
with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I didn't come to Philly just to watch the Eagles. It's also a great opportunity for us to visit the mothership, meeting Comcast, the owner of NBC Universal, and that's the company that signs my paychecks in the town where I grew up. And anybody who's ever heard me say the word water or Merry Christmas knows that Philadelphia is my real home. Now, all year, people have been focused on the high-profile attempted mergers in the space, with Comcast currently trying to acquire Sky, the big British media conglomerate. Or they fret about cord cutting. But the truth is, Comcast is doing well right now. They grew earnings at a 30% clip last quarter, and they're not your father's cable company anymore. They're a tech company focused on connectivity with you, the customer. Yet the darn thing stock is down roughly 10% for the year. I think you're getting a chance to buy a nice blue chip stock at a discount. It sells for just 13 times earnings for darn sake, which is pretty inexplicable when you think about it. But do not take it from me. Let's check in with our special guest, Brian Roberts, the chairman and CEO of Comcast, who also happens to be my boss's boss's boss. Mr. Roberts, welcome back to Mad Money. Good to see you, Brian. Have a seat. Well, it is great to see you. Welcome home. Oh, thank you. And thank you for making home precious and fabulous. Let me ask you, seven months ago, seven months ago, a game was played, a 60-minute game. And I think that that game and its outcome changed the city that your family's from and my family is from. I know it was 41 points us, 33 them, but do you feel it? And how can one game change a city so much? Well, you can feel, and everyone's so excited for tonight, coming back and I just saw Brent's Super Bowl ring. It just means you're the world champion. And But for Philadelphia, we've been starved my whole lifetime. I've been to three Super Bowls. We never, it, this, this was it. And of course, being on NBC, was pretty special, just icing on the cake. Now, I, we're business people. I search for a metric, some measurement that would indicate how much more valuable our great city is than it was before that win. How do we put it tangibly? You know, you're great at figuring that stuff out. I'll tell you what we did. We put a little William Penn statue on the top of the new building, which, of course, had been a curse when we wanted the city built above William Penn's hat. That was the folklore. The first building, we put a statue there. We won the World Series. Second building, we won the Super Bowl. 
How do you measure the value? It's pretty exciting. I think you measure it by <laughs> saying that we're winners now, not losers. Okay, let's talk some business. About a year ago, Comcast flagged the slowdown in video subscribers. It snowballed into some strange narrative where people just said, you know what it's really about? It's about cord cutting. It's about the death of broadband because it's slowing. I now look at your most recent quarter, and I have to tell you, I think the death of cable seems very much exaggerated. Uh, video sub losses seem to be decelerating, frankly, and broadband subs seems to be accelerating. So is it time to say that the renaissance is back? You know, I do think that there's something in that um, big time. We saw a shift with streaming video. First reaction is this is bad. Reality is you need broadband. You need the fastest internet, the best Wi-Fi. We have the best in the nation. So in the second quarter, and for the, out the first half of the year, but particularly, like you said, in the second quarter, we had the best broadband sales in 10 years. And it's a 20-year-old product. So is that a one-month phenomenon, one-quarter phenomenon? I don't think so. We're, we're doing well, and we're continuing. And I think that's because we've got connectivity. As we've repivoted the whole company and said, OK, video's critical, but some video customers don't want the big package, fine. We are focusing our video on the full experience we call X1. It's been great. But over in broadband, we now are selling broadband untethered. We're finding lots of customers really enjoying that product. Then we move into business services with broadband. And we had a $7 billion business that didn't exist 10 years ago. So the company is more a connectivity company than it's ever been. And we're having great success. All right. So what do you say to people who just listen to what you said and concluded, well, wait a second, stock's down 10%. That's why they have to go make a very big acquisition in Sky, and therefore we shouldn't really necessarily believe that things are as good as you just lied out. Well, you're just going to have to see our results. You know, Comcast, we've been in business a long time, and we're an operating company, and you know Steve Burke really well at NBC. Sure. Dave Watson, who runs cable, is really doing a fantastic job, and um, that's one of my disappointments this year is that Fox and Sky, driven by Rupert Murdoch's decision to sell the company, not our desire to change who we are, why wouldn't we look at it? We found it was undervalued. We put in a price. Eventually, Disney offered more, and we walked away. But people then took that and made a narrative that said we didn't love our core business, when in fact, our core business is having a renaissance. And that's because people want to be connected. They want Wi-Fi everywhere. They want. We now have 20 tablets and devices in a home. Our power users use 300% more, 10% of our customers, about 600 gigabits a month. And that's literally triple what the average customer takes. What does that mean? It means in a couple years, we all want to be what the power users doing well, you're, today, you're so our capacity is great. You're describing a technology company that is getting more out of each customer because the connectivity allows you to answer exactly what a customer really wants. This is a different kind of cable company. Those of us who don't have Comcast, we have a cable company. We don't particularly like them, and they don't particularly know what we want. It sounds like you've been able to harness what people want and then give it to them. Well, we've pivoted the company, and what you're seeing behind you is our technology center, and we had a chance to walk through it today. About 10 years ago, we said the world's changing, and we wanted to change the company. We have a new chief technology officer back then, Tony Werner. He's built an entire culture and organization, and I think it's second to none. And when we finally ran out of space here, we said, you know what? It's time to pivot the company from a finance company and cash flow only and customer products 
to innovation technology and something that uh, you won't recognize. Brian, I respect history when it comes to picking stocks. I know that when you make a big acquisition, stock drops, stock averages 7%. And then after that, it's off to the races. Give us that narrative. Maybe that should suffuse what we should think about Sky, because we don't know yet what's going to happen with Sky. Can't talk about Sky, but you're right. Historically, whether it was QVC, NBC, or AT&T, each acquisition, we have a, you know, have to prove it. We have a show-me attitude by the investors. I respect that, understand that. Our job is to sort of not let that distract us from the mission at hand, which is to build value for the shareholders. I look at, if you said to me, what are you most proud of? When my dad took Comcast public in 1972, if you bought 1,000 shares, $7,000, you'd have just about $12 million, 17% compounded return for 48 years. If you put it in the S&P 500, you'd have about 750,000, about 15 times less money. So we're looking for value opportunities. We're looking for strategic fits. And we have a management team that likes to build shareholder value. And so sometimes when we see something, we, by definition, you're the high bidder at that moment. It takes a little while to convince people. You've got to prove it. And I think we've done that. And I hope we, NBC is probably the best acquisition we ever made. At the time, we were a cable company. We wanted to, we saw content being more valuable over time. And now, of course, everyone wants to get into content. And right. they're looking for what we bought eight years ago, nine years ago. So. Same thing we think can be true in international, it can be true in connectivity and broadband. Our job is to be one step ahead and then eventually come to the investors and try to make the case once we've got the goods to prove it. There is a lot of uh, news every day. Uh, today, Les Moonves looks like he might be out. We have controversy involving sports, so Colin Kaepernick. Is this just an era where we should expect that entertainment is in flux? Because I've got to tell you, I'm used to talking about inside the lines, not outside the lines. You know, it's a very unusual period. We're all learning and playing by a new set of rules every day. Um, again, I think what makes Comcast great is a certain consistency of our team, our focus, and trying to give our customers, ultimately, and viewers, products and services and news. and. You know, we don't always, you know, find that an easy or a comfortable time to be, but we do the best we can. I think, by and large, we have a very unique, special company with Comcast, NBC, Universal. The culture, the people, the teamwork, that's what ultimately, over 50 years, over 20 years, over 10 years, you get the results that made that what I just said in the stock. It doesn't happen in one moment, and you've got to try to turn the noise off and have some core values. Well, I think that you, I love turn the noise off because our viewers, think long term. We're not trying to be in Comcast today and out tomorrow. I like that perspective, the $12 million perspective. That's the way to be. Okay, that's Brian Roberts, Chairman and CEO of Comcast Corporation, CMCSA. Stick with Kramer. Thank you. your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. 
That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. down here getting ready to celebrate the official kickoff of NFL season with my beloved world champion, Philadelphia Eagles. Let me remind you that there's a lot we as investors can learn from football, especially FF, fantasy football. Earlier this week, we held the draft for the Not Your Average Slumpadicka League. Funny name, but trust me, Slumpadicka is a story bad money league. Got me thinking about all the different similarities between picking a diversified portfolio of stocks and filling out a fantasy football roster. So because I'm always helping, really trying to find new ways to teach you about the stock market, let's play some fantasy. First, we're going to start by drafting the most important position in fantasy, and it's not quarterback for those who know the game. It's running back. The great insider Adam Schefter always tells me that you can't have enough running backs because you want consistent, grounded players who can deliver a lot of points week after week. The stock market equivalent right now, you want something strong but also straightforward. And right now... That's either retail or medical devices. For a retail running back, you want to stock the plays like, oh, I know it's going to be hard to say, but Devonta Freeman. Yes, from the Falcons. Hey, listen, I'm playing him tonight. There's nothing I can do. I draft him. There's nothing I can do. Painful. I'm thinking Home Depot, and not just because the company's founder owns the Falcons. Just like Freeman, Home Depot's a long-term outperformer, and at last the stock's hitting its groove. Even as it's up 15 from the bottom, it is still worth buying. Next running back. We do need a medical device stock that's as good as, I'll remember him, cut on a dime, LaShawn McCoy, a former Eagle now plays for the Bills. The thing about running backs is they tend to burn out after the first few years in the league, but McCoy, the exception. This is his 10th season, and he's had a remarkably consistent career. To me, that looks a lot like Abbott Labs, which has created an extraordinary amount of value for its shareholders year after year. While Abbott probably won't put up explosive numbers this year, that's okay. It's the kind of core holding you can expect to keep moving slowly but steadily higher. Okay, so many many of you want supercharged. I know everyone wants Todd Gurley. Well, then go for Intuitive Surgical, ISRG, or Dexcom. Next, we need some wide receivers, explosive players who can eat up big chunks of yardage all at once. So for our fantasy stock portfolio, we're looking at two of the most explosive groups in the market. Fang, yes, Fang, and the Cloud Kings, even if they're right now, let's just say, in the dumps. You want a player like Antonio Brown from the Steelers. Now, there are flashier wide receivers out there right now, but I defy you to find one with better production over the past five years. The stock market equipment, well, of course, that's CRM, that's Salesforce, the cloud-based software kingpin. Of all the cloud plays, this one remains my favorite. Salesforce has more than doubled in the last two years. Plus, Salesforce and its cloud compatriot, Adobe, both seem to have bottomed here, as have a bunch of other techs. But let's not count our chickens. We need eagles if we're going to go for the bird metaphor. For our second wide receiver, I like Larry Fitzgerald from the Cardinals. Everyone's always speculating about when he's going to retire. He's 35. But people sometimes forget that he's still really good right now. Reminds me of, of Alphabet, the company formerly known as Google. Incredible company, but it doesn't get the kind of respect it deserves from the growth-obsessed investors as younger, sexier startups do. 
Alphabet simply got so many opportunities in search and cloud infrastructure and YouTube, and of course in Waymo, their self-driving car business. Now we need a quarterback, and I gotta tell you, I nearly had a nervous breakdown when Carson Wentz from my beloved Eagles got injured 13 games in the season last year against the Rams. I know they're going to be back. Fortunately, Philadelphia had a terrific backup quarterback in Nick Foles. But make no mistake about it, Wentz is the quarterback of the future for the Birds, even if it isn't quite ready to start playing again. Yep, he'll be back soon. For me, the perfect analog here is Comcast, the parent company of the network, which we just spoke with CEO Brian Roberts before the break. And he explained how Comcast is transitioning from a cable provider to a connectivity provider. But just like Wentz, Comcast stock has been humbled of late, thanks to cord cutting worries and some M&A chatter. I think they're both hungry to prove the doubters wrong. Comcast is ready to play now. Wentz's time will be soon. Fourth, we need a tight end, TE, the most versatile position on the field. Tight ends tend to be disrespected in fantasy football. But if you pick a good one, they can rack up a lot of catches and a lot of yardage. So, yes, you want a tight end like Rob Gronkowski. We shut him down when we had to in the Super Bowl from the Patriots. And to me, that's Take-Two Interactive, the video game maker best known for Grand Theft Auto. We're talking about a pair of fun-loving players who nevertheless tend to deliver spectacular results. Take-Two's got a huge new game coming out next month called Red Dead Redemption 2. And like Gronk, I think it's got more room to run. Oh, and Zach Ertz, the tight end for the Eagles, he's got a real Activision Blizzard feel. Esports taking off. You could do worse. We also need defense. Last year was the Jags. Their D broke out in a big way. So let's keep things simple. For a stock market equivalent, we want an offensive high yielder, the kind of safe stock that can keep protecting you in any environment. So there we're going with Clorox. Like the Jags defense, Clorox broke out last year, but it's had a rough off season. Uh, stocks been getting slammed by rising transportation and raw costs, not to mention rising interest rates making its dividend less attractive. But with rates cooling in recent months, Clorox has been on the mend. Hard to beat. Finally, how about a kicker? Most fantasy football players wait until the last round to draft a kicker. It's not a life or death position for your team. So why don't we have some fun with this one? Go with a marijuana play. I like Robbie Gould from the Niners, believe it or not. He's a blue chip kicker. And the closest thing to a blue chip stock in the cannabis business is canopy growth. This is the big Canadian pot producer that Constellation Brands has taken a major stake in and could be bought, too. These are volatile stocks in an industry that's hazy, to say the least. But I think they're the two pot plays, Constellation and Canopy, that could, let's say, uh, do more than go up in smoke. They pull back hard today. I think they're both biased into weakness. So let me give you the bottom line here. When you build a portfolio, you don't just need companies in different industries, classic diversification. You also need some stocks that play different roles. Running backs like Home Depot and Abbott Labs. Wide receivers like Salesforce and Alphabet. A quarterback like Comcast. A tight end like Take-Two Interactive. A defense play like Clorox. And then a kicker like Canopy Growth or Constellation Brands, STZ. Especially going into October 17th when Canada officially repeals marijuana prohibition. Let's start here. Upon the liquidation of the Sports Authority in 2015, Under Armour was actually hit quite a bit. They have a large glut of inventory now. They're starting to sell to off-price retailers. But Under Armour seems to have a good understanding of its size and its segmentation. For example, (laughs) DTC to wholesale, that huge trend that we're seeing, also skew rationalization. Along with this, selling to off-price retailers. And so my question for you is whether you believe Under Armour is at an inflection point. We're seeing rises in pricing. Okay, here's the problem. 
Uh, under the inflection point was 1450 when we backed Kevin Plank, who had him on Mad Money. You mentioned a channel that is the one that scares me. It's the off-price channel, and that's why Under Armour's been slumping right here. I think the trick is to recognize that Under Armour's going to be neutral here. Believe it or not, Nike, controversy, not controversy, is still doing better. Under Armour's number two. Thank you so much for that question. Yes, sir. Hey, Jim. My name is Vinit. I'm from Philly. Uh, quick question. Uh, so it seems as though the U.S. and Mexico have recently entered or came to consensus on the revised NAFTA. Yes. Given the terms of the agreement, coupled with our current political environment, do you believe that there will be a resurgence or renaissance in the domestic car manufacturing industry? Uh, no, I do not think there'll be a renaissance, but I think if you do want to play NAFTA, you do it with Union Pacific, which holds up remarkably well. Remember, I got a place in Mexico. got three Union Pacific trains running 24 hours. That's the play. That's why that stock doesn't come down. Great question. Great Ooh, yeah, question. Jim. All right, go birds. Don't stand on the sidelines. Grab the ball. I mean... I mean, grab the bull and run with it. You can learn a lot from fantasy, including how to build a team for the age. Much more man money ahead. I'm catching up with former Philadelphia Eagle, great friend Selleck, who's stepping away from the field and into the world of business. Then the Internet's biggest problems took a front row seat at Congress this week. But where do advertisers stand when it comes to Facebook and Twitter? That's what matters. I'm going to give you my take. And all your calls, rapid fire, Frank Buster is up the lightning round. So stay with Kramer. talking about football. Let's just run with it. I'm too excited about the kickoff to stop, which is why I am thrilled to have Brent Selleck here with us tonight. Brent before deciding to retire about as high an urge again. The last season's earth-shattering Super Bowl win. It's like I'm always saying, you got to know when to hold him and know when to fold him, know when to walk away, and I swear I coined that line on Kenny Rogers. So let's welcome Brent back to the show to hear what it's like to be a Super Bowl champion and get our heads around his decision to retire and his plans for life after football. Mr. Selleck, welcome back to Man Money. Thanks, Jim. All right, Brent, one quick question. Before yes. we get started, am I the only one that has assigned Brent Selleck? Because I think you may have signed others. Uh, maybe a few, but this is game worn. Yes, that's, that's what I always that's thought. Special. All right, let's get right to it. Let's do it. Uh, first of all, you are heart and soul eagle. Thank so you. what will it be like tonight to not be in number 87, but knowing that this whole town loves you? It's going to feel good. Um, you know, it's, I think it'll be hard when I see my guys out there getting ready before the game. Uh, but once, once that game gets started, I'm going to be... I'm going to be the biggest cheerleader out there for him. I can't wait for it. All right. Now, you have actually been, unlike a lot of athletes, because we got to talk financial literacy. Yeah. I know you because we've talked for a long time, even when Coach Reed was in charge. Yeah. You always cared about what would happen after football. Yeah. Why are so many fabulous football players not aware that it doesn't last forever and don't make good decisions about money? Well, I think it's starting to change now because of all the media that's gotten out there of, you know, all these guys going broke. Obviously, you have some nowadays that are going broke, but I think guys are starting to focus on it a little bit more. And um, it's something that was on the headlines when I was, you know, young, and I just wanted to focus on it. And as you know, 
Um, I've met multiple different financial advisors, picked what really works for me, and uh, showed you kind of my plan. And um, I think it works for me. I think really it comes down to whatever works for you as a person. Well, one of the things I love about you is that you believe in index funds. We went over that, and I think that's great. But you also like yeah. some mad money. For instance, Battleground stock, you like the stock of Tesla. Give me the reason why I should own it. I love it. I love, I love Elon. I think that uh, some of the stuff that's going on out there, a lot of the media, um, they portray this you know, different Tesla than it really is. And when you read the articles, it's one good article, and then there's like 10 bad articles. And so the, the shorts are just trying to crush them all the time. But I'm a firm believer in them. I, I like their, the Model 3 that they, they came out with. I can't, personally, I want to get the uh, pickup truck. Um, can't wait till they come out with the semi. I think they got a lot of good things in the pipeline, the, the solar roof that they're coming out with. So I think they're, they're a great company. Um, and I think right now is a good time to buy, to be honest. Well, it's come down. I know I always say look at the balance sheet, too. The bonds are not doing that well. But obviously, this is mad money. You've got the bedrock mutual fund, uh, S&P funds, yep. right? So we don't have to be thinking, well, what's going to happen with Brent Sella? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh. That's what I want. Now, if Tesla goes bankrupt, I'll be very disappointed. All right, <laughs> but. just keep it at that. Now, this is something I need to ask you. Uh, Brent Selleck's name it is worth a fortune in this town. We all love you. But you've pivoted and not going necessarily hospitality, which we've talked about before. You are quietly doing what I regard as being building up a bit of a real estate empire. Yeah. Why did you go that way? Tell us how to do that, because it's mad money, but we don't care how it's made. So... I got into the restaurant industry, and when I did that, I think I realized the value of real estate. And that's what turned me into real estate. Um, I love real estate. I've, I've bought, sold homes. I've developed. Um, you know, I'm building my house right now. Um, but at the end of the day, I want to get into the selling, the transactions. Me and my partners, we, we bought into a brokerage. We, we bought a Remax franchise. Okay. Um, we started our own mortgage company and we have our own title company. So it's kind of a full service real estate company that we started here in Philadelphia three years ago and it's starting to grow really well right now and I think I can just add to that. Well, look, I just, uh, you're a winner on the field. I think you'll be a winner in this particular pursuit. I want to thank you, Brent Selleck, number 87, the former terrific tight end and Super Bowl champ. Mad Money will be back after the break. It is time! It is time for a special Philadelphia edition! Eagles of the Lightning Rattle Mad Money! Okay, what's that about? It's where we take your calls, rapid fire, you say, you say, say, bye bye bye, so just better know the calls, rapid fire, we don't play the sound! And then the Lightning Round is over! Are you ready, Ski Daddy? Hit me! Hi, Jim, I'm Jared with Temple University Alphon. My question is about CarMax, buy, sell, or hold. No, CarMax, we don't be there. We don't be there uh, in the car situation. I remain a believer that the cars have peaked, and we don't want to touch anything involved in that sector. Yes, sir. Uh, my name is Jonathan. I'm also from the Alpha. What's your opinion on Exxon Corporation, and do you think it's set to benefit from zero emissions credits? You know what? I don't think Exxon's that good. I bought Exxon, right? Because I'm trying to hear. Exxon, yes. Oh, Exxon. No, I like Exxon very much. 
you know, we had, yeah, Philly, the old Philly luck is terrific. I do believe, remember, that I think interest rates are going much higher, and that's really why I like it. Yes, sir. Hi, Jim. With Fiat Chrysler being down nearly 20% since last earnings, due to their earnings call and the death of their legendary CEO, Sergio Marchione, is now a good time to buy? You know what? No, because you just said it right. Legendary CEO, and he was the company. I wait to see who they get next. That man was backable. Yes. A big city of brotherly love. Booyah to you, Jim. On your way. Welcome home. My stock is based in Malvern, not far from here. Small cap, up 200% over the past year. USA Technologies, USAT ticker. Stay or sell, sell, sell? All right, we know in Philadelphia we tell the truth, we're honest. I do not know that stock and I got to do work. I am not going to cuff it and say that I do, but I will look it up. And I like Malvern, but it was too rich for when I was growing up. Okay. Yes, sir. I do. Mike from Philadelphia. With Anheuser-Busch reaching near 52-week lows, I was wondering if you No, I can't. Buy. I can't go Anheuser-Busch because I got to tell you something. I think the world has gotten away from traditional beer, and that's why I like the, the hedge bet, the Constellations bet, the SDZ, which I think is going to buy the rest of Canopy at one point. SDZ is one if you want to go beer. Yes, sir. Uh, hey, Jim, Zach, Temple University, William C. Dunkelberg, Alphon. My question is on AbbVie. Stocks come under AbbVie pressure. AbbVie 92 today. I saw it. I said, you know what? I just, just go out and tell people to buy it. But I like Abbott Labs more because Miles White. Yes, sir. TJ Maxx, absolute rocket ship. Yeah, TJ 107 to 109. Probably goes to 115. The quarter was unbelievable. But you know what? People aren't going to stop buying it here. 111, 112. Take it. Love Westbrook, it. go ahead. Dustin Collins here from William C. Quick question on UPS. Down about. No, buy it. Buy it. Just buy it. Just buy UPS. Something's going on. UPS. Yes, sir. Uh, Brendan Miles from Temple University. Thoughts on AMAT and semis? AMAT, 41 today, 40. No, I saw it break the 40. I don't even think it's going to be able to hold 39. I think Buckler's probably going to go all the way down to the low 40s. I think you got to stay away from that. If you want to do it, uh, then just go buy AMD and secondarily NVIDIA after down another five. Yes, sir. No, no, I'm not done here. Yes. Hey, Jim. How do you feel about XLXs? Excellent. You know, I liked that for a long time. I was the only guy who liked it, and everybody likes it. So that makes me say, don't buy, don't buy. Yes. Hey, Jim, Joe from Drexel University. How do you feel about Bank of America? Bank of America, 31, 30, probably goes to 35, 36. I do like J.P. Morgan Moore at 114, though. Or City at 71. Sells at only 10 times earnings, and Corbett's doing a fantastic job. Yes. Hey, Jim, Tarun from the Temple University Alpha. And what do you think of Nuance Communications? Nuance? No, I don't care for it. You know, like, don't go spec. We've got so many techs that are down. Let's go high, high, high. Yes. Hey, Jim. Tyler Oshoni from Temple University. Alpha. what do you think of Endo Pharmaceuticals? Endo Pharmaceuticals is really kind of a weird breakup story. I don't know how much upside there really is. I'm going to take a pass on that. If we're going to do pharma, by the way, we're going to do Amgen, which is cheap, and that CTRP formulation is still very good. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is Sponsored by TD Ameritrade. You know what? I got a sneaking suspicion that the so-called experts who bloviate about the death of advertising on the web don't actually, uh, let's say, you know, uh, communicate on the web. As we deal with the fallout from all the stupid things that Facebook and Twitter did, not to mention some of the dumb stuff Alphabet's done, still no flies on Amazon, by the way, people keep assuming that the big advertisers are going to break with social media. We hear that they're going to take their money away, leaving those foolish social media companies high and dry. There's just one little problem with that story. It's not true. Look, when I started the street.com 23 years ago, we had a fabulous board member who worked in advertising. He explained to me that we weren't going to get a lot of consumer packaged goods ads because our demographic at that time, was people in their 40s, was just too darn old. When I said, what the heck does that mean? 
He explained that people make their minds up early about the brands that they like. Typically, they just buy what their parents used. Advertisers wanted to reinforce that behavior, so they carpet bomb anywhere these young eyeballs were. were. And where were they? They were CI television. They were newspapers. They were magazines. They were radio. Now consider today. Millennials have a very different attitude. First, they have zero brand loyalty. They don't care what their parents bought. They don't even know. Second, they're acutely concerned about sustainability. They look at the back of the label that matters more in the front. They Google the ingredients. Third, they don't have much time uh, to look at this stuff at all between video games, Netflix, ordering pizzas, drinking, maybe. Well, what are they going to do, go shopping? Uh Uh-uh. They like to stay and shop. So millennials shop online. When they find what they want on the web, they buy it. Since the Internet is the point of sale, television and newspapers simply can't compete with online ads. They just can't. And that's why I regard all these people taking pot shots at the rise of online advertising as little more than modern day. They are modern day Luddites. I heard them all day today. And I'm including Congress in that diagnosis. Sure, they're going to be defections. There are plenty of millennials who think that Facebook's terminally uncool. But does anyone honestly believe it's uh, as uncool as a uh, CBS? Would the younger generation rather watch sitcoms and police procedurals than mess around on Instagram? I don't think so. Look, the goal of advertising is to connect with users, especially younger users, who are still impressionable. Despite all the hostile congressional hearings and the naysayers, I don't think those users are going to abandon social media. Still, until Wall Street figures this out, the sell will continue. Ignore it at your own peril, though. Just remember, Congress isn't doing squat. There's no government-appointed social media czar who's going to rein in these companies or stop them from growing. There's no better medium that can somehow replace them. Love it or hate it, social media remains the best way to advertise. And in the end, that's all that matters. Stick with Kramer. There's nothing quite like coming home. To be here. Thank you, Philadelphia. Thank you, Eagles. Watch the game on NBC starting at 7:30 Eastern. You know I'm gonna be there. Hey, champ, come on out here. Go birds, baby. I like yeah. it. There's always a bull market somewhere. I promise I'll just be right here, man, buddy. I'm Jim Kramer, and I will see you tomorrow. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses. No one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.